0: Welcome to The Sounds of the World. We are your hosts, Hilary and Bill.
1: Together, we're going to travel around the world to discover new music, discuss musical topics, and interview fascinating people.
0: Our world is a buffet of music, and it is time to eat. All right, welcome back everybody to The Sounds of the World podcast. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest. She's the founder, CEO, and author of the Ultimate Music Theory Series. She brings over 35 years of remarkably successful teaching experience to the development of the UMT series uh, and courses, including the Elite Educator Program. She's a registered music teacher, sought-after clinician, and a neurolinguistic practitioner. She served as the president of the Manitoba Registered Music Teachers Association, Canadian coordinator for the Music Link Foundation, and Manitoba Coordinator for Music for Young Children and contributed to the myc uh, or the music for young children program as a composer her passions for teaching excellence sets a new standard of achievement with her music theory education uh please welcome to our podcast uh glory saint germain
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much william thank you so much
0: thank you for being on this is great it's nice to be on the the flip side uh I did a little thing with Glory on on one of her her uh, little uh, what is it conferences, and it was great, and I had so much fun.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: so now we get to put her in the hot seat. <laughs> uh,
2: well, you know, I was so honored to have you in our Global uh, Music Teachers Summit, and uh, you're coming up as a guest again in our Global Composers Summit, and I'm so honored and grateful to to have you join me there. So thank you for that, William.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. So this will be great. We'll have three composers sit down and and we'll talk about education and everything. So this will be fun. Yes. So let's just start off with like our our basic thing. Uh, Just want to get to know you. So how did you get into music and how did you, you know, will follow that path?
2: Yes well, I grew up in a in a really musical family and and it wasn't really a choice. it was you know you you brush your teeth and then you go practice the piano so it was part of what I always what did and I started teaching when I was sixteen and and basically I wanted to buy a car and it was the fastest way to make some money so that's what I did. And as I started teaching, um, I struggled a lot with music theory and it's kind of funny because obviously now I've written over 50 books on the topic but back then it was a struggle and I thought well if I can't find something that's going to work for me maybe I'll just create something and I can help other people and uh, it kind of has evolved from there.
1: Wow, that's awesome. I love. That. So what did you start teaching at age 16? Are you do you play piano or? Yes.
2: Yeah, I started teaching piano at the age of 16. And I always laugh, um, Hillary and say, I should just give them their money back because I didn't know anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, we just we just take the money and run. And But you know what's really <laughs> interesting? I have a great story to share with you. So when, um, and actually, I think, William, you were maybe not in that particular group, but as I was um, recording one of the summits that I just did, and I have speakers from all over the world, and some I've met before, and some I've never met until the day I'm doing the interview, and so here's this young man, and his name is Michael Park, and he was chatting about composers, right, and he's a composer, and he writes opera, and we were talking at one of my questions was you know who's been the most influential person in your in your musical career you know I'm thinking he's going to say his mom or dad or like whatever you might say he said well actually my first piano teacher and I said well that's kind of cool and he said to me would you like to know who she would you like to know who she was and I said sure he said well she was from Winnipeg and then there was awkward silence (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I said, well, would that have been me? And he said, yes, you were my very first piano teacher when I was three years old. And, and you know, I taught him for five years and then he moved and, you know, you kind of lose touch. But I think it's a very powerful thing. We don't even realize the influence that we have on those that we meet. And, ease, and even, you know, Hillary and William, as is, is you're just, you know, Giving of your time so freely to share just these little tidbits, you just never know when it's going to be that moment that is going to turn somebody's life around and say, You know what? I was listening to this podcast and I think I'm just gonna, you know, go write a piece of music or I'm gonna go get it back into playing. Like, you just never know, right? It's really important that we share these conversations, especially now. Oh, that's so I love that so much, and that's such a powerful thing to think about because I.
1: I feel like, yeah, I can 100% agree with the the piano teacher being, like, a huge influence on you. Yeah. because when I was growing up, I had a piano teacher that, like, I just didn't click with, or we didn't, and it was, like, such a negative experience, and I remember, yeah. like, closing the book on music and putting that away for a while, yes. and, like, can't do this, I wasn't cut out for it, and then, like, you know, discovering more in my 20s, and being, like, okay, actually, I really love this, I just didn't have the right, te- or the teacher that I had didn't click with me as a child. Yes. And it's, you
2: know, it's, it's, interesting that you said that, um, Michael or, or sorry, William, I'm thinking of my student, Michael, uh, William <laughs> was, was talking about, you know, how did I land up creating the ultimate music theory, elite educator program and the certification course. And I think the pain for me was that very often. So I'm also a neurolinguistic practitioner. So neuro NLP is neurolinguistic programming and neuro is how we think. Linguistic Mm -hmm. is how we communicate and programming is how we get the results that we get. Mm -hmm. And it's really important for us to understand our learning style, as well as be able to understand our students' learning style. Otherwise, we're not effective educators. And exactly what you said, Hillary, I take full responsibility for my students. When you (laughs) sign up with me and you're six, I will be your teacher until you get married and have the kids and then I'll be their teacher. Like, that's the (laughs) way... That's the way I think, right? Because it's really important for us to to share that. And one of the teachers, I have a quick story to share with you. One of the teachers that's in our UMTC Lead Educator Program, she called me up. She said, Gloria, I have a story for you. I said, oh, I like stories. She said, (laughs) well, she said, I had this one student that I didn't really connect with. And I didn't really know why. I've been teaching him for a few years. But I always said, you know, read your music. And he always said, would you play that for me? And so you are both musicians and you're both composers, so you will understand how some of us read music, that's how we play easily, we sight read and it's, it's you know, just like another, our language, and others want to hear things. So she said after taking your course I realized that I was a visual learner and my student was an auditory learner. So we came into class and I I said to him I'm going to play for you and he was like so excited. He said like really cuz you never play for me. So oh. she just played the Adams family, you know, ba-da-da-dum, ba-da-da-dum. and she said he sat down and he played it immediately and she said I was in complete shock. Yeah. And and she said he looked at me when he left and you know we I got out the book and we discussed it and he said that's the best piano lesson I've ever had. And yeah. she said, I was just crying saying, oh my gosh, I had this breakthrough of like yeah.
0: communicating.
2: And and anyway, her young student went on to become a composer. So oh, I love it. No, that's, that's so, so cool. Great. And that's yeah. so powerful too, to, to figure
1: out those learning styles and to really- yes. I mean, it's powerful for you as like a learner, but also, like I said, it's so powerful as an educator that can recognize that in you. Yeah, I think it was in my like early twenties when I figured out I'm like, oh, I'm a visual learner. Like I have a semi-photographic memory, but if you like, you know, play something for me, it's gonna go right out of my head. Like I'm very much tied to the yes, the visual <laughs> sides of
0: things. But oh. yeah, and and as a teacher, when you have those moments. You feel like, oh, OK, I can do this, you know, because the whole time before that, you're struggling like, what what am I doing wrong? Well, how can I fix this? There's so much. I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And then when you break that barrier and they connect and then you're like, now you know what the student needs Then you're just like on cloud nine and you're like, bring on any student now. I can do it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> <Not accepted. laughs> yeah.
2: And, and you're so right, William, I think it's probably one of the reasons why I created the um, UMTC Lead Educator Program, the Ultimate Music Theory Certification Course, was to help teachers, you know, when you when you go into NLP training, or, or any kind of training for that matter, it's very time consuming, and it can be very expensive. And it, it took me, you know, years to go through the become certified. And I thought, well, if I can just break it down, specifically for music teachers, that'll just save you a whole lot of time and years reading, you know, all these books and taking all these courses. And so it's why I implemented into the program, and It's been so successful. And I know it's really helping teachers because ultimately we all need a coach, right? Whether you're um, in business, whether you're a composer, you still need that collaboration. Yeah. Uh, you know, many times you want to write music by yourself and other times you just want to kind of, you know, share and, and collaborate and, I I just, you know, as you were reading my bio, William, I kind of had a smile on my face because uh, when you said, you know, when you contributed uh, to the Music for Young Children program as a composer. So one day, and of course, when you're writing music for young children, you think, well, how hard is that, right? Right, right. Just like little (laughs) pentascale here, maybe add a flat if you want to make it minor and typically you're good. So I had two things. I had one student, I said you know there's all these songs in here but there's no songs about a dog so I went you're right so I had to write wow. me and my little dog and then arf 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 you know on the two black keys and so it was sometimes you write because someone will ask you for us for a specific concept I wrote another little song um uh, because I had clown stickers and I thought I need to write a song that goes with my stickers. So yes. <laughs> we we write for different reasons, right? And uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it really uh, it really is moving to know that you can help uh, you know kids learn music by writing pieces that are fun for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I I taught lessons a little while, and I remember some students were having issues with certain things, and you know some of these early theory books or music books they skip over some things pretty quick. And so it's like, you're just going to have them work on the same piece for, you know, three weeks or you want to give them something new. And so I was like, okay, let's just write something. And so we wrote a really simple thing. a little tune out. And they were able to then apply what they learned while we were writing it. And they were like, Oh, okay. So I can do this. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And you can do this if you want, or, you know, if you, we can, like, you know, it's just that the, practice of actually practicing it yeah um well it just changes how they view things it's amazing
2: yeah and i think it gives them an opportunity also to to find their creative genius when you give them opportunities to compose their compose their own little pieces you know Mm -hmm. especially now like i've um you know gone from teaching in my studio to teaching online and i've seen a lot of kids you know be depressed and you know they're spending their life in their room they're Their school is on their computer and then they practice and their parents have moved their keyboard into their bedroom because they're now working from home and then their bed is in their bedroom and then they're doing their theory class in their bed like they're just living in this room and to some degree you know as as music educators we kind of laugh and say we love it that way they're just practicing all day long (laughs) because they're stuck in their room then there's nothing else to do but I've noticed a lot of creativity and when I give them an idea to say okay well how are you feeling you know just even if you're just want to start writing something easy, just maybe just compose, just using the black keys. Like then, you know, there's no wrong notes, right? You just, yeah. you just play right. and just use the pedal or maybe play up high or low sounds or what dynamics do you want to use? And, it, and I think if we just give them an idea, um, you know, what do you want? What do you want to think about? Do You want to think about pizza? Do you want it, you know, uh, cold and stale out of the fridge? Do you want it, you know, hot and tasty? Like just something so that, you have a starting point. And I think that really is the key. Um, And that's really why, uh, you know, throughout the Ultimate Music Theory workbooks, you'll notice that there is review tests on every single lesson. And there is a piece of music in every single lesson that uh, either I've written it or Sheila has has written it. She's my editor and co-author on some of the books with me. And the pieces, just what you were saying, William, are written specifically so that you can see how these theory concepts have been integrated into the music and so the light bulb goes on and you go, oh, I get it. And the pieces of music mm-hmm. are also written at that level. Mm-hmm. I always think, why are you asking a child to do an analysis on a level eight piece when they're in level two? It doesn't even make sense. You know, I think they need to be able to play it, to understand it and, and to, you know, move forward and ad lib a little, you know, maybe you want to make something up and and uh, that's been fun.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I should admit to this, but uh, I had one student that had liked to curse but not around his parents and so we changed it instead of like every good boy does fine or whatever <laughs> we changed it to like little curse words I was like okay now create a little piece with all your new curse words and let's see what happens and he had so much fun doing that you know yeah. and the parents were like that actually sounded really good I don't know <laughs> what he did but he really enjoyed that assignment And I was like well it does good yeah. <laughs> He did well.
1: <laughs> it was wholesome, you can bet. <laughs>
2: yeah. well, you know, it's funny you said that, William, because I think, you know, I think parents don't realize the incredible relationships that teachers have with their students. And, you know, my students have told me stories that, you know, they're, they don't tell their parents, but, you know, they'll tell their music teacher. And especially when you've been teaching them for a long time, they know that it's sort of is like going to the doctor's office. It, what what happens in the music studio stays in the music studio. Right. So you can share what, how you're feeling. And, you know, good for you, William, for giving your students a little, you know, let them speak their mind, because we're not there to discipline them in that regard. It's just we're there as their friend, but also as their guide into mm-hmm. the world of music and exploration and discovery of know who they want to be and yeah it's a pretty cool thing so bravo you sound like the kind of teacher I want to hang out with
1: (laughs) well and, and I just to add to that like music is such an emotional practice anyways like I feel like at least for me like when I was a kid I wasn't always great at expressing my emotions and then when I went to college to study music that kind of like blew up in my face in a really tough way of like, Oh, you know, in order to really get better as a performer, you need to learn to emote. And I would have totally benefited from having that like, great close relationship with an with the music educator saying like hey you can express your feelings through music and you can Mm -hmm. explore this and you can write a song about the stale pizza that you're sick of eating.
2: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well that's okay. (laughs) Well you know years ago well I shared with you before we started recording that my daughter Sherry is a music producer and so when she was little she had um um a um, the piano was in her bedroom and this is BC, so before computers, yeah. and so she'd be, yes, and so she when when she was grounded or when I was teaching and we have our grand piano in the music room, and so then I'd say, you know, like, go to your room, do your homework, and then she'd just go in there and be mad and slam the door, but there was nothing to do, so she would express herself, just what you said, Hillary, just by playing music, and then she'd think it would make me mad, but she'd take, take something like Thierry and then she would would compose kira jazz right so instead of she'd go she put all this jazz funky stuff in there which is a producer today but um she actually ended up winning winning the festival she went into uh, a composition uh thing this is kind of funny so she here's how the festival works you need to submit your composition right and then they don't know how old you are um, or your name, they just have the composition and your entry number. Mm. So she entered, and so did her teacher. And she actually won the competition. And then when they announced the winner, uh, they had the performers like come up and play and her teacher was sitting there and was her band teacher at school. And he's like, I can't believe you beat me on that. And anyway, it was her <laughs> little purely goes jazz. So sometimes you're right. I think if you have an outlet for whether you're angry, whether you're sad, whether you just want to oh, say something. <laughs> it's good to have somewhere to release those emotions. And music has, I think, served so many people in so many ways for many, many years, but certainly with this last year, mm-hmm. you know, more than ever.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a savior to, I think, mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we we just launched, and actually you're coming up to be a part of our our next one, was the Power of Why, uh, which is a, an anthology series on musicians, and uh, the one that we just released is the Power of Why. Twenty one musicians created a program, and one of the stories there's you know obviously twenty one musicians sharing their stories, but just what kind of what you were touching on, Hillary, about just going and expressing yourself. And one of the stories is written by a young lady. I'll, I'll leave it as a mystery so people want to buy <laughs> the book. But one of the stories is about a young lady who um, found out by accident that she was adopted at the age of 12. And she had a family with brothers and sisters, but she didn't know that she was adopted. So it oh. caused her um, her life, she said, just fell apart. And she actually ran away from home and the police found her three days later. And she's only 12. And she said, she came back home and she said, it was years of just of lashing out at everyone and anything angry, feeling like she didn't belong. And she said, the only one, the only friend she had in the whole world was her piano. Mm. And she would go and play. And she said, sometimes she would bang and she would compose and she would write music. And, I mean, now she's all grown up and everything is fine. But she said back then it was torment. And yeah. I think sometimes you don't even realize how that instrument can just, it's just more important than anything. Uh, Lenny Bro, who was j- great, you know, jazz guitar player known as a genius. Uh, he was actually my brother-in-law. hes He was married to my sister-in-law and, um, you know, he would sleep with his guitar. Like that. Well. Was his, that was his life, right? That was yeah. just... So much of what he was and who he was in his composing was just music. You know, it was just his best friend, as they say.
0: Yeah, that's that's really amazing. Yeah, I remember. So I was born with a heart condition and had had multiple open heart surgeries and things. And uh, I remember once uh, my mom came to see me in the hospital and she had she like the way she helped herself was by shopping. Um, but like she would buy things for me and she bought me uh, the Deutsche Grammophon Bernstein Mahler collection. Wow. And so it was it was so relaxing to be able to sit there and just listen to that and just have that that release, you know, because mm-hmm. music is all about that, uh, you know, release of emotions and having something that's not tangible, you know, like your feelings just released. and. Yeah. Uh it's it's amazing uh how music does that.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know. And I think you know it, it one of the things too well, one of the summits I did was the the global healing power of music mm. and so many stories came out of that and uh you know even um a friend of mine who well one of my students as well who really said if it wasn't for music he probably wouldn't be alive um my daughter, Sherry, who I mentioned earlier was performing at Cirque du Soleil and said, and she was on the, she was playing the flying piano and the, the, the harness snapped. So she's literally hanging up in the air, of course, being the pro that she is, she finished her, her piece of music and then they closed the curtain and it's Cirque du Soleil. So the show goes on no matter what. right? Right. And so they had to climb up there and bring her down and wrap up her rib and say, you know, in here you know see you tomorrow kind of thing and she suffered immensely and it, it eventually needed surgery and she did the healing power of music. And she said, I'm, I'm not having, well, the surgery, they said, you may get better. You may get worse. You may stay the same. So what's yeah. the point of cutting yourself open? So she actually listened to healing frequencies and was just mm. bound and determined and took pictures of herself with her, you know, ribs sticking out of her body. And by the time it was healed and I went to the doctor with her and he said, this is a miracle. And she said, no, she said, it's music. Mm. You know, like oh, this is wow. this is the power of music healing power of music and, feels, we just, sorry. Yeah. and uh you know i mean there's so many stories like that and i'm sure even william maybe your parents didn't even realize when you're or your mom in particular when she was bringing you that how impactful that would be in just calming you down and letting you know things were things were okay
0: yeah and hillary hillary does uh the healthy composers thing too
2: Oh, there's something healthy about this? I thought you could okay. just eat chocolate bars and stuff. What do you mean healthy, Hillary? <laughs> Spell the beans, girlfriend. Right? <laughs> no,
1: I, I started this. Um I have an Instagram and I've got a, a website called the Healthy Musician, but I oh. look at that handle on Instagram, so I'm the healthy composer on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of just this this idea of taking care of yourself and letting you know taking care of yourself allows you to be a better musician but having music in your life allows you to take care of yourself and it's kind of this like back and forth synergy Mm -hmm. of these two things but yeah it really all ties in together with you know everything we've been saying like it's a great like music is such a great release funny because my oldest sister there was like two years ago I had a really you know tough transition in my life and I remember just being like man I don't feel like myself like I don't know where to go I don't know was just feeling really lost and she's like when was the last time you listened to like your favorite album do you know what your favorite album is and I went oh my gosh I haven't listened to music in like ages I mean I just come home from grad school from studying music composition was like I haven't listened what if I can dig out that old cd (laughs) but it's it's amazing how like just little tidbits of music can really connect you with yourself and can really yes I don't know transform your life and give you that energy and Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. take care of yourself but man i'm fascinated by the the healing frequencies i haven't heard of oh that before,
2: yes oh, i'm gonna have go down to, the rabbit
1: hole with that
2: <laughs> you'll have to i'll have to connect you with sherry she's on instagram as well um yeah. but uh, i think it she could go on and she could write an entire book on the healing like she's done a lot of research on that even though she's a young little puppy but she's <laughs> you know she studies a lot and learns a lot and is an incredible musician and you know, I think too when you we talk about that music, it's really hard to, even if you're not so. You know, we talk about altering our state, and I know for myself when I'm going to be going on stage, I have certain songs that I listen to. I will just even tell you what they are. I'll just admit it. Um, if I'm listening to, if I want to go into the moment where I'm going to be my best mentally in presenting you know, whatever I am, wherever I'm presenting on on stage as opposed to just us here on our, our little call today. But I'll go like listen to Uptown Funk and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And it puts me, I'm sorry, it's my favorite song on planet Earth. I love it. And, and you know why? Because there's one line in there that that always it's my favorite line of any song. And it's, don't believe me, just watch.
0: And yeah. because
2: that line yes. to me if you're afraid and you don't think you can do it, or someone says, Oh, who do you think you are? Who's gonna listen to you, Glory Saint Germain? Like nobody on planet Earth. And and so when I feel that, I mean, not right now, but you know, I have in the past going like, well, who am I? You know, and and then I'm going, well, don't believe me, just watch. And, yeah. you know, I remember my dad used to say, Well, don't tell me what you're gonna do, show me. Mm. Just yeah. go do it you know, if you're going to do it, just go do it. You don't have to announce it. You know, it's, it's, it's like a a little joke in our family. It's just like, you know, okay, well you don't have to announce what you're going to do. Just go do it. Right. It's like, why do you have to tell me what you're going to do? But it is really hard to, um, you know, think about sadness if you're listening to happy music and, you know, uh, Ray and I, I was presenting at a workshop out in, um, Eastern, um, um canada i was in halifax and i got a phone call from the doctor that my mother was dying and that they said you know you need to get on a plane right now because she's only going to make it for maybe a day or two and so we left everything there my display with the friend of mine who happened to be having a display right beside me and we just left had to drive like crazy to the airport and you know the airline was great we got on the flight and here we're on the flight and now they're playing all this happy music. And I'm sad and kind of annoyed that they're making everything happy. Hi, and I'm like, shut up, you know, like I'm not really happy right now. And so, but it it turned my, mute, my, mute, my mood around. And even though I was sad, I had such a wonderful upbringing and it was all about the music. And as my mother was passing and, you know, she, the nurse came in and she said, well, you might want to put on some music or, you know, just tell some happy stories, you know, make this a, a pleasant, you know, passing. Like we know what's going to happen. So my mother who was passing away and she said, you know, um, can come closer and, you know, she wanted the music turned up, you know, so she could hear it. So by now the music is blasting and it's all happy music at her request. And the nurse comes back in and she said, you know what are you doing you know your mother is dying and i said she told me to turn it up like uh, like this is this is her request and you know it was it was it was the right thing because she brought me into this world with music blasting. I was born on Christmas day, which is why oh, wow. my name is glory. My mom said glory hallelujah. And that was my name, <laughs> glory. Aww. And I was brought in with music and, and so was my mother. And, you know, she passed with music and, uh, it was her spirit and, and my mom and dad's and they, it was always about the music and bringing joy to other people's lives. And, you know teaching and educating and sharing and being generous and complimenting you know somebody <clears throat> plays a little lick like give them a yes you know i think it's almost the unwritten language that musicians have when when you'll you're playing together as a group and you know you've got that little riff in there that's so cool and you just give the nod and no words (laughs) you just go oh yeah that's cool oh that's that's tasty that's tasty you know you always have to have like a little bag of, of tricks my my son and my daughter used to play out a lot and um And my daughter said, you know where I got the best training of improvising and where I really learned how to write, she said, was we'd be playing these shows in these little, you know, coffee shops or whatever they were playing out since they were like 13 and 15 years old. And she said, and David, my son, would just look at his little sister, Sherry, and say, take it. And then he would just turn the other way. He was a guitar player. And she'd be like, what? And she was just like, but she said, when you throw somebody to the wolves, she said, that was the best education on the planet she said you can go study with a teacher but if you play um with fellow musicians and my husband who's also professional entertainer and he said you always play with people that are better than you and that's how you learn you know yeah always yeah level up have some fun absolutely
0: well I think it's like we said uh on your on your uh episode about um even the greats You know Bach and Mozart and Beethoven they all had teachers above them so Salieri and the church and you know so uh it's it we can't just like set these people up on a pedestal we have to think about okay they're teachers what are we learning from them what can we be as a teacher to someone else and um I I just think it's such a cool yeah throwing out into the deep end is the biggest teacher of us all.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's you know? just like, here you go. You know, fend yep. for yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I've got to share this story with you. So I don't know if you've ever heard take your kid to work day. Have you ever heard? Oh, I remember that. You do remember that. All right, well here's what happens. So yes. my husband, my husband is a professional entertainer. He plays, you know, six nights a week at the club. And so and I'm a piano teacher. So take your kid to work day. Well, my kids live with me and they don't want to come to work with your mom cuz that's what you hear every day. And they're both already musicians. My husband is, you know uh, in the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame, so he's very well known in Canada and he's got a television show and the you know, my children have been on television since they were like born, right? And they're, you know, very first. I think Sherry was on, on made her first television appearance. She was like eight months old. So to them, this is normal, right? Yeah. So and you know, they get driven to to school in in the tour bus, right? The big giant greyhound tour bus. This is how they go to school. You know. They drive- that'd
0: be so cool actually I I mean at (laughs) first
2: (laughs) yeah so this is normal anyway so I get a phone call from my daughter Sherry's teacher she goes Mrs. St. Germain and I said yes she said well Sherry did her book report on you know take your kid to work day and I said okay you know how'd that go she goes well she stood up in front of the class and she said well, I went to the bar last night with my dad. <laughs> I, I sat in with the band. I played a couple of sets, learned a few new licks, and jammed with the boys. And I went, Yeah. And I said, I said no. Well, she, she did. I said, That that is what our family does anyway. Okay, you know. <laughs> so I don't know if she got a very good mark on that, but I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, I love it.
2: Yeah, but you know, a, a family that plays together stays together, so I'm sticking yeah. with right. that. Yeah.
0: I love how little kids will put things like that. You know, they seem so innocuous, but then when the kid describes it, you're like, what's going yeah. on? Uh,
1: she didn't say anything about drinking, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she didn't have any
2: drinking.
0: She'd have a cigarette dangling out of her lips while she was jamming out under the keyboard.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you oh know, it's, it's it's still pretty fun and uh and I think music has really well obviously always been a part of our our family and uh yeah, we just continue to share the love, everything from you know uh going on tours, so my husband and I was actually his booking agent and and did all the booking and going through uh Germany and Israel and Cyprus and wow. uh, traveled overseas and performed for the Canadian armed forces over there and wow, so it was cool, really a a a journey of um Uh, you know, of sharing the music. And even though I'm a professional educator, uh, you know, one of my passions is teaching teachers how to teach. And I know Mm. that it's a mouthful of T's teaching teachers how to teach. However, when we think about our, (laughs) our teaching, like, how do you actually learn how to teach? For myself right. I just I just started. I was 16 years old. I already had my grade. I was already at that level where I, you know, had the education or so I thought. And so I became a teacher, but it wasn't really until I started becoming an author and then composing and then doing all the other things that I did that I realized that there isn't really that foundation. And that's why I created things to help people to say, yeah, number one, you got to have fun. That's my philosophy. You got to have the the attitude of, of always have fun because that's, you only really learn when you enjoy what you're doing. I mean, Hillary, you and I can know for a fact, well, maybe I, we just met, but I'm just assuming <laughs> that you and I do not want to go and take a mechanics course.
1: No. However,
2: absolutely. if the mechanic was, was fun and he said listen I'll tell you guys you ladies how to start your motors we'd be like "Mm, okay all right (laughs) I'm listening so it would just be be about how it's presented so if you have fun you're gonna learn and and teach me something that I'm passionate about learning right right yeah when I,
1: I love I just love that idea because I feel like at least for me in my own childhood, taking piano theory, I remember getting to the theory section in the book and just being like, like, this is boring. I want to get back to the playing. And like, I didn't understand how it all connected. And so I love that you're like literally taking that the, the, the horrible, the, the suck out of it, for lack of a yeah. better word, and making it just, oh, you know, this doesn't have to be this boring, like, ugh, like page 12. So-
2: <laughs> page 12,
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: so, you know, it's funny you said that because uh, you would be surprised. So we do Theory Club classes. So as I said, I teach teachers not only how to teach, but how to become financially making more money in their business by teaching Theory Club classes. Mm -hmm. And our students, center, of course, we provide you with lesson plans and all the games and all the activities and everything that go with it, and then how to make that applicable to your music. Mm -hmm. And our books also include composition. And for many teachers, they don't know how to teach composing because they never were taught. So again, that's one thing that we're going to facilitate. And I'm going to give you just the little baby steps. You can start composing when you're like just three, four years old. Like here's the little steps you can do with your kids. Theory club classes, kids love coming to theory club classes. And I also did, I'm a researcher as well, Research the cooperative learning theory, which really is about how do you learn faster? And the fastest way to learn is in a group of like four to six. That's kind of the magic number. And, and mm-hmm. this is actually, yeah, it's called the cooperative learning theory. It comes out of the University of Minnesota. And they studied that if you learn one-on-one Or if you learn in a group of like 110 people or you learn in a group of six, the fastest way to learn is in that group of six, because there's five things that happen when you're actually in this group and it is really laying the foundation. It's about relationships. It's about supporting each other. You know, if the three of us were going to be in a group, I would want um, Hillary, I'll pretend you're the drummer. I want you to be the best drummer on the planet. William's going to take us out on keys. And I'll be the guitar player. So we all want each other to be the best that we can be as a group and we support each other. But we also learn about our differences that maybe William likes to do things this way and, you know, Hillary, you want to do it this way. So we respect that and we work together as a team. So there's a lot of really important things. And I was just actually teaching my class tonight before I came into the podcast with you and my Theory Club class. They've been together for seven years. And they're now doing level eight, um, their level eight theory exam, and they all love each other, they know each other really well. So, of course, now they're you know into their own little private jokes. And because I'm teaching on Zoom, sometimes (laughs) they're in the chat, like without me knowing it, because I don't have my chat window open, and all of a sudden I see them laughing, I'm going, What the heck are you guys doing? You know, but they uh they they love and support each other, which is great, and when things are not feeling so good at home they'll make each other laugh and they'll share and it's really important to have that community right Absolutely. and that's what music is i mean mm-hmm. i don't think anyone on the planet that just practices by themselves and plays in their room by themselves and doesn't ever you know get out and I, I don't think that's i don't think really think that's a thing like it not sustainable.
1: No, <laughs> I do that. And I'm like, if I don't right. have a reason to be practicing or I you know I studied voice, my am like, I don't have a, a recital coming up, like yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah. And you want to share it. But if I right? have a community choir, then yeah, I've got to Yeah. Oh absolutely. And it's like if I have people counting on me, then I'll I'll show up. <laughs>
2: yeah, for sure. Well it's fun, right? We like to do that.
1: But yeah. I love, I just love that you have that sense of community built in. And I just, you know, I've noticed as we were getting to chat, and I've I've just really enjoyed this chat, but hearing like just how, I don't know if it's easy for you. You make it sound easy. So I don't know if this is something that was easy for you, but just your belief in music and your belief in yourself as you're playing music. And you just ooze this like wonderful, amazing confidence with that. And I can only imagine that your students are picking that up as they're going along the way. And I just think that's such a really amazing powerful thing because i feel like a huge part of being a musician is finding that confidence and that community of support and finding that you know courage to get up and play and sing and do all the scary things musicians do but ah just tip my hat to you for this community you're creating and this program that you have that has that encompasses all of these amazing things that musicians definitely need i mean we need that support we need that community we need that belief in ourselves to, to show up to play. So yeah. it's just really cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things you said, uh, Hillary, and I think it's why we created our Ultimate Music Theory um, teachers membership is that so often we as teachers, you know, we have, we build our community of students, right? And we support them when mm-hmm. we do recitals and, you know, all these things. And yet as teachers, sometimes we feel really isolated. Like mm-hmm. we don't really have anyone that gets us. We don't feel, and, and you know, I'm a coach, right? So I'm within <laughs> the Ultimate Music Theory membership. I, am, I do weekly coaching calls with uh, the members that are in our UMTC Lead Educator Program. And I love coaching. It's one of my favorite things to do is being a teacher's coach.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I was, when I started coaching, and of course this is many years ago, I found I was surprised at how many teachers that have, you know, more letters behind their name than I do w- did not feel confident as like really speaking. Yet they were they liked their job and they were good at teaching, but they didn't have that level of confidence. Or yeah. it was that imposter syndrome, right? Yes. Like, I'm <laughs> now. Or when we talk about increasing our rates, oh no one if I had a nickel for every time I heard this, oh, they won't play, they won't pay that much for lessons in my area. I'm like, that's what was those little words you could use? Be something, you know, Bologna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> believe me, yeah, it's not happening. Believe me, people will, and and they don't find self worth in in what they're able to charge. So, in the coaching calls, we really dig deep into mindset strategies and tools, and those are what I facilitate. Um, and as a matter of fact, we have a masterclass coming up. It's a free masterclass and anyone can jump in if they'd like to, it's three days. And I talk about mindset and strategies and tools and how we can actually shift from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset
0: mm-hmm. and what
2: are the strategies that we need and what are our strategies anyway? And you know, there's a lot of business strategies, there's marketing strategies. So you have to know this, you're a business. Yeah. And so often teachers say, I'm just a piano teacher, which drives me insane. Yeah. I said, not. you are a business owner that facilitates teaching and you happen to teach the instrument of piano. So there's a lot there. And I think that building the community is really the key for educators to be listening to podcasts like this, to be, you know, attending summits, to, you know, take a course, whatever you might be, but always NEPD, never ending professional development. That is my, my little tagline. I knew I I liked you.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, that's so, I mean, I'm a coach as well, and I'm just like, I'm just eating up everything you're saying because I'm like, yes. (laughs) You have to, I mean, that's something that I I graduated with my master's with, and I had no idea how to be an entrepreneur and how to sell myself and how to market myself. Bill is fantastic at this. That's how he has this podcast. I don't know if, I mean, I'm just going to put you talk you up real quick bill but you're (laughs) reaching out to people and i'm over here like i could never like this person i mean it was just these all these fears in my head and like imposter syndrome was my middle name for so many years but i feel like it's so important to work on those on those belief and mindset skills and yeah yeah like i said you are a business and like exiting grad school like that was just like to me and I had no idea what to do and
2: (laughs) and you know it's interesting because you are you are so well educated Hillary. and sometimes when teachers feel like they haven't they they physically so for example even some of the educators in the elite educator program they have physical disabilities where they're not able to play so now they can't get their degree at that right so then they think well who am I and I go listen Have you ever watched football and seen how little Tubby Tucker, like Tubby Tubby there with his big belly is the coach of the football? He couldn't run that field to save his life. Right. But what what does he know? He has this, right? He's got his brain. He's got his smarts. And there's so many things. And even for, you know, how do you get to become a coach when you personally feel like you're not, you're not worthy? Well, you read and you study and you, you know, I'm, I'm a fanatic about TED Talks, so I'm like a yeah. TED Talk fan. <laughs> Listening to TED Talks, ask different questions and you'll get different answers. You know, I research what do you need in order to be a coach. And of course, now I'm doing a lot of talking, but primarily the most important thing is listening. And mm-hmm. when parents say, wow, you know, my daughter just loves her lessons. And I'm like, well, that's because I listen. Yeah, maybe as a parent, and I'm kind of picking on parents right now, but (laughs) if there's any parents listening to this, the one the one thing I can tell you is you need to listen and just be quiet and let your children speak, because Mm -hmm. the reason I have the amazing relationship that I have with my own children is they have taught me the value of listening, Mm -hmm. and you know my daughter in particular, she shared so much with me and we have an amazing relationship and oftentimes I just listen she's taught me a lot about you know healing frequencies and all these other things and I mean you can imagine going from playing the biggest stage in the world at the area hotel in Las Vegas the highs that you feel when there's 3,000 people two shows a night applauding standing ovations and then you come back to your room and it's just nothing It's an emotional roller coaster, you know. My husband's experienced it as well. Like as musicians, you have to just maintain this um, mindset of of what lights you up, and it's it's just an interesting emotional road. I think, like no other. You know, you can go work at Walmart, but you don't get that high and that low because because you work in the three o'clock shift. You know what I mean?
0: Right, right.
2: Maybe they do. I don't know.
0: Well, it's like even after you have a piece premiered, you know, uh, you're like, oh, yes, this is exactly what I want to do with my life. I want to be performed everywhere, write more music. And Mm -hmm. you're like, you know, like after my recital for my PhD, I went out with some friends and we went out to a bar and we're buying drinks and things and we're just like celebrating. And then like a few days later, I was like, okay, so what's next? And I was like, I don't have another performance lined up. I don't have any more commissions. I don't know what to do. Yeah. What, you know, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen? And, and then you like panic a little bit and then you feel like depressed. Yeah. And, and then the next thing, you know, very, you get like a whole bunch of rejections from uh, competitions and then something comes through and you're like back on that high again. Yeah. And you try to ride that for a little bit, but then like time takes over or a pandemic is what happened to me, yeah. you know? <laughs> yes. And uh, it's just, you're, it's such a, a tumultuous life. You yeah. Know? Uh, that I, I I was like, I need to sign up for this class and find that easy <laughs> balance so I can keep my mind straight. <laughs> well, the- that's
1: kind of why I, I in and started the healthy composer was like, I, you know, I finished grad school just on the biggest high of my life. I studied abroad in England and it was just that, you know, in a truly incredible time of in my life. And then I moved home to Silver Star, Montana, which population, like nobody, I from living in a city of 5 million people in Birmingham, England to, yeah. Olson's cow got out. Yeah. <laughs> go. Like, what's the news? Olson's cow got out. Yeah. And it was, well, the low was so low, but I, I learned some tools. I did so much personal development and really mm-hmm. got into wellness and taking care of myself. And that was able to help regulate my yeah. emotions and get me into coaching and doing other yeah. things. But. And, you
2: know, I think there is a distinct difference between, between teachers and, and the performing artist. Mm -hmm. You know, for teachers, we make a steady income where, you know, we work these, these hours and we set that and we can increase our fees, but we're kind of limited. We're here. Mm -hmm. And then, and I speak, I speak, you know, because I, I have experienced all of this as a teacher, that's what I do. And of course I'm a business owner and a publisher and, you know, the rest of it. But then as the wife of an entertainer, who's, you know, traveled the globe, had national television shows for many, many, many years played regularly in the bars. I've seen the highs and lows of all these shows and fairs and playing concerts. And, you know, with Sherry playing in Tomorrowland, like 100,000 people, 100,000 people standing there cheering while you're on this gigantic stage. You know, she was with uh, Steve Aoki and doing all this EDM music and, you know, performing at NAMM and, you know, highs, highs, highs. And then exactly what you said. William I don't know you're calling him Bill but I call him William so
0: that's fine either <laughs> <it's> fine.
2: <laughs> either one Mr. Montgomery so either either way there's this 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 crash and so I think the healthy musician is like how do you find balance with that? you know I remember Sherry calling me she said do I have an opportunity to to write a song in the movie Magic Mike I don't know if you've seen it or not but yeah (laughs) okay. okay well Sherry's song is in there and so she's uh she's written for Kate Hudson and Something Borrowed and or something yeah I think it's called Something Borrowed anyway so she's at a party and she said I just got this call and they said to her we need a tune for the movie Magic Mike and we need it tomorrow so you've got you know literally 14 hours to write produce sing and she does all the music so she does literally plays all the instruments does all production and it, and there's no guarantee that they're gonna pick your song right. Oh my God. right you are just one of the people so she left the party because she called me she goes i'm gonna do this so she left the party and she ran went home and she you know composed this piece now like all composers she is like Um, million tracks because she's always writing so she's writing for film they'll send her a little Christmas thing and she'll see the snow falling and then she'll say okay I've got this and this and this and you know puts the pieces together anyway so she did get it and um called me when when they said yes and then i happened to be in vegas and so we went to the opening of magic mike and i told my husband yeah i gotta go see the movie three times <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm so sorry i mean it's for research and... <laughs> and,
2: and i was like the only person sitting in watching the credits right just because i wanted to see her name go by right? <laughs> and people are like come on you know the next show is starting we're trying to clean up the popcorn oh, and i go just a minute just a minute i'm watching the credits yeah it's they be turn
0: better. up the inside lights really bright so you can <laughs> not see the screen
2: oh, you're ruining it yeah
0: <laughs> it's on there just give me five seconds
2: <laughs> yeah pretty round. <funny. laughs> Yeah, so funny. But yeah, so that is that is I I think it's been really an interesting conversation. We've started with the little six-year-old, right? (laughs) Composing on the two black keys to the musician that's going high and low. And that really is the life of a musician. Very true. Yeah. (laughs) You've got you've got to learn and then you've got to enjoy the ride. Um and and always surround yourself with, with a network of positive people mm-hmm. that, uh, that can hold you up and understand uh, the mindset of what you're going through, you know, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a, a performing artist. In my mind, they're two completely different things because I live with both of them. Right. And, <laughs> and so there is, there is that balance. And, um, and sometimes you're making a lot of money and sometimes you're not. So you gotta plan accordingly. Teachers kind of just go steady, right? But it's the musicians that you know you get those tracks and and uh, you hit number one and you know you're raking it in and and then uh, you don't <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think yeah. it's the passion you're born with. it's just not gonna go away anytime soon, you know, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah.
0: I think yeah. just like really good teachers, it's just something that they're born into doing, and you know those are the ones that really speak out and they uh you know my my piano teacher before i went to college he was just amazing and born to be a teacher he was a wonderful performer you know in his own right but when it came to teaching i learned so much from him and uh it's you know there's those people out there so Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i feel the same way about my teacher i could never have achieved that level of performance i said when I went to do my, my ARCT with the Royal Conservatory of Music and in for as teacher and I said, you know, um, Joan Passy was her name. Uh, and and I said you know really you played the exam I said it was my fingers but it was your your brain was like shoved inside my brain for those and I thank you for (laughs) taking me to that level because I couldn't have done it otherwise it was just here's a little interesting thing you know earlier William you talked about you know Bach Beethoven and the boys as I call them and my teacher actually uh, strangely enough she had a picture of her teacher on her piano she was which I then I said I don't have to do that like do I <laughs> is this oh, like I a
0: tradition break. I have to keep up
2: yeah, right. Not if I break uh, it. she was she was a concert pianist and she received a number of Canada Council grants to a study overseas and when she did She literally studied with the teacher every single day. She had like a three-hour lesson, and then he had a small little house on his property with with a piano in it, where she would have to go and practice for eight hours, and then come back. And so, you know, because she's this concert pianist at this level. Anyway, she went back and researched, like, where did her teacher study, Who all the way back to Bach. So wow. she came down all the way from that, those lessons, because she kind of mapped it out. So it's pretty cool. And she said, and that's why I have a picture of my teacher there, because I know the genealogy mm. of where that's she studied right. from. And I said, so should, do I have to have a picture of, you know, so am anyway, I we, I, <laughs> yeah, this is like a no, but, but I do have a, a, one of those head things of Bach just because it, it was yeah, so it's as close as I'm going to get. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but that's about it, yes.
0: Well, maybe we should, I mean, Hillary, do you have any other questions?
1: No, no, I just feel like I'm going to go down the rabbit hole researching all this fun stuff. Oh, Yeah personal development never ends and I'm just gonna have to keep running with this
2: <laughs> yes my cheeks hurt right now because you've had me smiling all day. <laughs> it's just been so much fun you two are so adorable I am just gonna like I don't know I might just put you on top of a cake or something because you're so cute <laughs> it's just been such a delight thank you so much for uh allowing me to we've gone down a lot of rabbit holes here yeah. it was like normally we have a script right okay question number one where did you start your music lessons and,
0: right right
2: and then now it's just like oh no and then this one time at band camp yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I mean we like when we started the podcast we always had like a script you know the intro and then like four or five <laughs> basic questions we had ask you know like where they started maybe something a little digging into like what they did you know why yeah. they should be important and stuff but uh nine out of ten times when we did that we by question three we were gone and it was like 45 yeah. minutes in and we're like we're oh no no nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hold on here we go <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh well glory this has been amazing and so fun and so and inter- so educational and Uh, and uplifting, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Well, thank you. It was an absolute delight to uh, speak with you, William, and with you, Hillary, as well. Thank you, it's just been wonderful. And uh, I look forward to sharing many more adventures with you because you are gonna be jumping into our uh, Global um, Music Composer Summit, and also inviting you, of course, you're gonna be in our The Power of Why Composers International Bestseller book, so yes. yay, go musicians, go yes. musicians. <laughs> Thank yes. you so much.
0: And please, everyone, please check out the Ultimate Music Theory site. Uh, it's what, www.ultimatemusictheory.com, correct?
1: Yes, thank you. Perfect. I and, today, and you're going to be like totally convinced to join. So just, yeah. you're warned. It's yeah. All-
0: <laughs> <laughs> so thank you again. Thank you so much. And uh, we will definitely... We'll definitely do this again.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for listening to the Sounds of the World podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. There are links to everything in the episode description and also on our website.
0: You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sounds of the World. To show support for Sounds of the World podcast, please join our Patreon, where you can have access to our after-party discussions with guests, discounted merchandise, and even more.
1: If you have any questions, answers, or episode suggestions, please email us at soundsoftheworldpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Well, Bill, I think I'm going to go have a beer now.
0: Hey, there you go.